0: It's time to explore and find the answers you've been searching for with the new 2023 Data Dive datasets. The MGMA Provider Compensation and Production Dataset is one of the most comprehensive datasets in the industry, providing hospital and physician-owned practice data, and compensation benchmarks for medical directorship, own call, academic, and starting salaries. The 2023 data set represents nearly 190,000 providers from 6,800 groups spanning 250 specialties. With this valuable data, you can attract and retain the highest quality providers, drive more revenue through productivity, and keep costs contained. Learn more by visiting mgma.com/ Data Dive. Healthcare is complicated, but you don't have to navigate the complexities alone. Care Allies collaborates with physician organizations to solve some of the toughest challenges on the path to value-based care. As your organization works to effectively manage your more vulnerable patient populations, enhance outcomes, and improve data analytics, Care Allies brings the people, technology, and processes to support you, so you can focus on practicing medicine. Visit CareAllies.com to see how they can help to radically simplify value-based care. Well, hi everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we welcome Patricia McTaggart to the show. Patricia has earned her MBA, her MMA, and is also a certified associate in healthcare information management systems. Patricia is currently program director, teaching instructor at George Washington University, and she's here today to talk about an innovative, comprehensive care model that was implemented at Pittsburgh VA Oncology. Patricia, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me today, Daniel.
0: All right. Well, before we get going, first, give us an idea. What is your role at George Washington? What's your focus there?
1: Well, as you said, I'm the program director and teaching instructor at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., where I play basically three specific roles. I'm the director of the MPH, which is a master's of public health online master's program in health informatics, where we have a concentration and the Master's of Health Administration Residential Program, Health Informatics and Decision-Making Concentration. I also teach Health Informatics in the Master's of Health Administration, Online Health Administration Master's. What that tells you is that George Washington University has figured out what you and everyone else has figured out. It is not something separate. It is now core competency that you need to have, whether you're an administrator, policy leader, public health innovator, to be effective and efficiently in the operation of the health ecosystem that must focus on, um, and this is my new tagline, not only the right care to the right patient by the right provider at the right time, they must also do it using the right modality.
0: Tell us what that means and the right modality. What is the right modality?
1: I think we should not use probably the word right and say appropriate. Okay. Our ecosystem has moved to the optimization of virtual or digital health modalities as part of our effort to enhance coordination of care, improve business processes, uh, produce both on the administrative side and the clinical side efficiencies and effectiveness. Um, the reason I use modalities is this is no longer about I do it face-to-face or I do it um, virtual. This is about what parts of what you do can be done effectively and efficiently from the patient's perspective, as well as the provider's, more effectively virtually or digitally, uh, and what things need to be really in-person. And as we know, COVID changed our ways of thinking about this very dramatically, but now we have to figure out what is the appropriate use, and that's really what the discussions are about.
0: Okay, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that information with us. Now, I wanted to go over something that's upcoming You have a presentation that's going to be shown at MGMA Summit digital event. Just give us a high-level overview of that session. What can an attendee expect to learn there?
1: Well, the presentation is a VA oncology case example of the efficient and effective workflows that it utilized technology, both e-consults and telehealth to provide lessons learned, applicable knowledge regarding patient-centric innovation optimization, burden reduction on the provider and the patient side, and a return on investment that can be used not only for oncology, but for other complex care cases.
0: Okay. That's a lot to think about. So uh, let's talk about that. I I want you to take a deep dive then. Give us An overview of this Pittsburgh Oncology Comprehensive Care Model. What made it a success? What did you learn about care models from this particular case study?
1: Well, I think the Pittsburgh VA Oncology Comprehensive Care Model case study focuses on the patient healthcare delivery life cycle, and I think that's what makes it different. Access is critical and basically the first step to desired outcomes. So the model starts with a patient identified by their primary care as potentially having a risk for cancer. Once you hear that, you don't hear anything more. And that includes the addition that they added of a nurse navigator. Now, some places make them nurses, others don't, but Pittsburgh found the value from a clinical perspective, just like in the ER where we do triage to have that clinical expertise but the nurse navigator's real value is being that constant for the patient in the process. They help handle the warm handoffs from primary care to the specialist. They assure that labs and x-rays and pre-work needed for the oncology specialist appointment to be productive is completed, and we find major gaps in that area. Some models um, also look at uh, a higher level. This one does a deep dive into that workflow that is based on the patient model. Um, The oncology comprehensive model also um, determined the value of -hmm. clinical knowledge and the skill set of nurses and tried to optimize them just like they did with the clinical um, pharmacists and tried to use them at the top of their license. Mm -hmm. Now, once the oncologist makes a determination of some type of cancer, the patient pathway needs to seek to provide timely access and accountability that leads him to one or two different treatment centers called clinics, as they referred to in the VA. Since about 50% of the VA cancer patients in Pittsburgh can now be treated through oral therapy, the process sends them to an oral anti-cancer clinic. This is an effort by them to specialize in what the patient needs. While other veterans who are not appropriate for oral treatment center enter what is called a virtual cancer care clinic, although it includes both inpatient and virtual care delivery. Then at some point, a veteran patient either gets better or doesn't. And that pathway leads to another fork in the road, either to survivorship or palliative care, both which require transitions that maintain a relationship with their oncologist, but move the patient to where the appropriate care and providers both clinical and social health services can be found. Again, the success is the establishment of a process that provides foundational, operational, strategic benefits, not only for the health system, but for the veteran it allows the VHA, which is the Veteran Health Administration, to validate the potential return on investment, but viewing return on investments for the veteran very differently than strictly a financial return on investment. We look at burden as on the provider as well as the patient. Uh, it also allowed us to address and identify potential opportunities to scale from operations and what was learned at Pittsburgh at one facility to the much broader Veterans Health Administration system that is nationwide.
0: From this case study, what were some of the more interesting opportunities as you mentioned that, that arose from this case study and this model?
1: You know, this integrated model is really a hub and spoke model where the workflow can be streamlined and the appropriate provider at the appropriate location can provide the needed care using both virtual and in-person interfaces. Pittsburgh's Medical Center is the hub. They have an Altoona and Erie, what I call spokes. They are the rural health clinics. For those veterans needing oral anti-cancer therapy, it allows them to minimize travel when they don't have to go in because they're getting oral therapy. Uh, it also expedites the time from treatment plan to first medication. Both of those things improve the veterans' quality of life at a time where they're not well. Uh, the virtual cancer care clinics also reduce the financial and the travel burden on the veterans. They improved the multidisciplinary safe and secure access to care in the rural areas because they've removed geographic care barriers while maintaining the veterans' primary relationships and continuity care with his oncologists, in cancer
0: care team. Okay. Um, you talked about the success side of it. So what are the challenges then? What did y'all find uh, that was challenging or things you needed to rethink as you moved along um, in implementing and, and playing out a, a model like this?
1: And one of the things I was on the team, which is basically looked at it, cause having again, a set of eyes that's not doing it, Mm-hmm. is critically important um, to objectively look at measurements but identification and really doing a detailed deep dive into what people were actually doing and not doing. Um, it allowed us to understand the gaps and the barriers in the process at a very detailed level, not only talking to the clinicians, but to the scheduling staff, to the administrative staff because that's where things sometimes fall apart and don't get identified. It allowed us to identify what needed to be added, um, like the nurse navigators, the survivorship clinic, the organized palliative care teams. It also allowed a rethinking of who's the appropriate provider so providers could work at the top of their license. Um, Again, thinking virtual or digital as well as in-person, what was the appropriate place to provide that care, that very specific element of the care? And then how do we optimize technology and workflows to enhance not only the workflow, but the clinical outcomes and to support the care team as well as reduce redundancies and tests. And um, I think this one was really highlighted to us because we are very Mm -hmm. veteran-centric. How do we reduce not only provider burden, but veteran burden?
0: How did you go about that then? What was kind of the process of... Reducing that veteran burden then?
1: Well, we validated um, one of the critical pieces is veterans experience.
0: Okay.
1: um, Veteran satisfaction, but also veteran burden comes into a couple of places. Time is a huge element Mm -hmm. um, and veterans travel is time. We took a look at the coming into the, the main medical center. Now, some of the veterans were doing two hours of travel one way mm-hmm. at a time they were a cancer patient and after treatment going back for two hours, some were taking buses. So their schedules were built around those schedules. Uh, many of them felt the rural clinic was their home medical center. So there was also a comfort to being in your home medical center. And so I think from a burden, that burden of travel is a huge burden, mm-hmm. but also that comfort level, which also, gets into basically a financial burden for them. Because there's a cost, even though we reimburse the veteran for travel, that's not true in the private market. Um, It's a scheduling thing, it's a a dependency that has a financial impact on the veteran. And I think those were three major areas that we saw. Uh, But on addition to that, what we also found is that veterans felt like they had an informed choice of where to receive their care, without compromising their quality or safety. Um, It allowed them to um, preserve their personalized, appropriate face-to-face time uh, with their oncologists, but then also being able to maximize telehealth to continue with those interfaces as appropriate. And it supported their total health, um, which made them feel like they were part of a whole team. They didn't get like dropped off when they were done treatment. Mm-hmm. They were managed through a process that integrated the palliative care and the survivorship, who also particularly the palliative care, were participating in the discussions and the huddles and the care planning all along. So they weren't like this totally new entity. I think one of the most striking things was to us uh, was the uh, decrease in chemotherapy within 14 days of death and decrease ICU admissions and ER visits when 30 days of death, that's real valid data. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think for me, one of the most striking things that I kind of knew, but didn't really think about is the survivorship clinic helped veterans with the long-term side effects of treatment and connected them and their caregivers to support groups. Again, you've got enough on your plate. This allowed them in a very complex way to have help, in getting the right care at the right time and helping them think it through. Um, the value though of this whole perspective is it's a value-based care model that we've all talked about, but it's applicable not only to oncology, but to basically any patient with complex healthcare delivery needs.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, what about once the model was in place, what were those KPIs that you were most interested in that really, helped you get a better read on whether uh, this model was working or where where it needed some adjustments along the way? What are those KPIs for you?
1: Well, the easy one is, was there increased veteran satisfaction? And this is really important. Reduced anxiety due to the diagnosis and treatment. Were we able to really reduce duplicate testing? I mean, that was a, a real ROI for us. Mm -hmm. And then did we really increase the use of e-consults? Because it's not just about a patient to provider. It's also about provider to provider, particularly when we're dealing with rural and a central area of a medical um, facility. And did that improve or at least create a positive impact on both the time and the cost of the travel? So some of our examples were the easy veteran satisfaction with the um, nurse navigator. Uh, was the use of oncology, e-consults gone up. What we found tremendous improvement and increase in e-consults between the rural clinics and the central um, medical facility. You know, some of the patients also have to get their chemo in an inpatient setting. Mm -hmm. So we also looked at the percentage of inpatient scheduled admissions that were supposed to start chemo on the day of admissions and we found the results in decreased inpatient length of stay because they did get their chemo on the first day of admissions. Again, that's an administrative management, not necessarily a clinical one. But the impact was on the veteran from a clinical as well as administrative process. Oh. Uh, I talked about it earlier, the impact of the time and the cost mm-hmm. of the travel uh, for providers and for doing it. And I think the most important thing is we increase the oncology encounters at the rural spokes.
0: For a final thought then, Uh, for any of our listeners who are looking at making adjustments to their care models, who want more of a model that mirrors the one you're talking about, what are some first steps they can take to make this a reality?
1: Well, yeah, everybody starts at a different place. So you really just need to do a deep dive and look at what you have that is already working, Mm -hmm. what elements of the model already exist. Or a version of it exists that you can just adjust. You may decide to have a navigator that's not a nurse, for example. And again, how do you validate the benefits of the elements you have and look at those gaps and opportunities to take the other elements that you don't have so you realize administrative and clinical efficiencies and more effective outcomes. Um, is there a potential value to your organization for adding those additional elements that might be missing? Um, you don't need to take the model as it is. It's a model that can be operationalized according to your organizational priorities and needs. But the benefit of this is the process. Pittsburgh undertook a process with its veterans, its clinical and administrative staff to determine the appropriate veteran pathway for oncology and provider workflow. And finally, I'd say, just don't think of it as an oncology model. We can't support multiple models in a clinic. Oncology was just a, uh, kind of a use case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing I would remember is there are probably two givens. Uh, we have taught patient-centric care. And now we have to figure out a way to efficiently provide joint decision-making during the patient pathway. And virtual digital health is here. So how do we optimize it? I go back to my earlier statements, right care, right patient, right provider, right location, right modality.
0: All right. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Insights Podcast. Thanks again to Patricia McTaggart, Program Director, Teaching Instructor at George Washington University. Patricia will be speaking on this topic of innovative, comprehensive care models. That's going to be at MGMA's Summit Digital Event And thanks again for listening and for being a part of the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.